This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, we'll introduce you to some of the people behind The Binners Project, a local enterprise connecting people looking for economic inclusion with our city's need for environmental sustainability. It's a great story, and we're looking forward to sharing it with you. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're working on this week, and this is worth repeating. Metro Vancouver has issued an extreme fire danger rating for the region's parks this bc day long weekend the rating is expected to remain in effect until there is significant rainfall and by the way there's none of that in the forecast for a while yet for the time being the majority of metro vancouver's parks will remain open and potential future closures will be assessed on a case-by-case basis two metro vancouver parks are now closed the sumas mountain interregional park and a section of the delta south surrey regional gateway that's next to delta's watershed park And Delta, by the way, has also closed five of its own parks, including Boundary Bay Reserve Park in Tawasson and the Delta Nature Reserve. That was done on Thursday, again, of course, due rather to the fire risk. The move comes as we grapple with extreme hot and dry conditions with more than half the province under a fire danger rating of either high or extreme. Metro Vancouver is warning anyone who does use the park system this weekend to be extra vigilant about any possible fire sources under the extreme rating campfires and barbecue briquettes are banned in regional parks propane barbecues and gas stoves are permitted in approved facilities but they too have been banned in some municipalities metro vancouver says parks officers will be patrolling this weekend monitoring the situation and warned violators could be fined anywhere between 500 bucks and a thousand anyone who sees a fire in a regional park is asked to call 911 immediately. This is always a good consumer story to report because jobs create consumers. The Canadian economy added nearly 11,000 jobs in July, the eighth consecutive month of growth, as the unemployment rate fell to its lowest point in nearly nine years. Since the fall of 08, to be precise, StatsCan reported this week, the pace of job growth slowed, however, with 10,000 net new positions down from an increase of 45,000 in June. The number of full-time jobs grew and the unemployment rate declined by 0.2 percentage points to 6.3 percent compared with a year ago the number of jobs increased by over 385,000 driven by an increase in over 350,000 full-time positions the labor force numbers came as StatsCan also reported the country's trade deficit rose in june from the previous month exports fell imports rose just under half a percent. That wider trade deficit might be seen as a slight negative for the Canadian dollar, though you'd never know by the lineups at the border right now. But the tight jobless rate will keep chatter alive about an October interest rate hike and continue to fuel speculation the Bank of Canada could hike its key benchmark rate again this fall. Last month, the central bank raised the rate to 0.75%, the first increase in almost seven years 
All in all, though, a very positive situation for the summer of 17. Several weeks ago, we reported WestJet was about to launch a new no-frills discount airline later this year. It was, of course, a good news announcement, especially from WestJet, which began as a three-plane discount airline and was thought to be returning to its roots after growing up pretty quickly and successfully. Well, WestJet had an earnings report announcement this week in which, by the way, the airline reported a healthy profit of 48 million bucks in the latest quarter, up more than 10 million from the same quarter last year. Many other metrics were also positive. All terrific news for the company and its shareholders, many of whom are employees. Not such good news for those hoping to be able to take advantage of those no-frills prices this fall and winter. WestJet also announced it's pushing back the start date for the new discount service until the summer of next year. Flight schedules will be available earlier in 2018, but nobody's flying cheapo on WestJet anywhere for a year. Clearly, a board-level decision that sees any adventures into no-frills as high risk. Air Canada was making noise about a competitor lower price offering this fall, too. It'll be interesting to watch whether they go forward and fill planes for less with no pressure to do so. I wouldn't bet very much on that one. Here's a techno story that should not surprise. Apple discontinued sales of its iPod Nano and iPod Shuffle a few days ago, ending their 12-year run, which took them into a new era where most of those functions are now on smartphones. That said... Apple plans to keep selling its internet-connected iPod Touch and even offered up a new version with twice the memory of the current iPod Touch. No surprises here because Apple has predicted the demise of the other products for some time. They did have their heyday, though. The Nano and Shuffle both came out in 2005, and their sales peaked in 08 when the devices made over $9 billion in sales, and in that year, the then-new iPhone made just under $2 billion. Last year, iPhones made $136 billion, and iPod sales were so low as to no longer be reported. There's a total solar eclipse coming across much of the country later this month on August 21st, which will be amazing to watch. However, you should use caution and make sure not to risk your eyesight to see it. So not only should you wear special eclipse-viewing glasses when you look at the sun, but you need to make sure those glasses aren't counterfeit. Counterfeit eclipse glasses are a thing? Well, yeah, there's an online market for counterflips, uh, counterfeit rather eclipse glasses, and it's a very robust one. In response to the demand for eclipse glasses, companies have popped up to meet the demand. The glasses are essential because they let us look safely at the sun while it's in partial eclipse before the moon moves in front of it fully. You can find hundreds of listings on Amazon right now, but just because a company says they're selling eclipse glasses or they throw around the correct IS number, that does not mean their products are safe. A reporter for Quartz bought some glasses on Amazon and later learned they were counterfeit, even though they claimed to be certified. Even NASA has put the word out about these fake lens slingers and named a few companies that are trustworthy, and those are five, and they can be found at NASA.
nasa.gov. Unfortunately, just looking for those five names on Amazon isn't enough, since the counterfeiters are also using names of the approved companies. NASA says it'll have more information before the eclipse, including the names of more approved vendors. So far, the experts haven't found any counterfeit glasses that are inadequate or harmful, but that doesn't mean there aren't any out there. It's one thing to buy sketchy fidget spinners, but do you really want to risk your eyesight? We'll have more on this in the weeks ahead as we get close to August 21st. Those are some of the top stories we're following this week. We'll take a quick break here, and in just a couple of minutes, you'll meet the people behind the Binners Project. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Nice to have you with us this smoky Saturday afternoon on the BC Day Long Weekend. I'm Sterling Fox with three guests in studio from The Binners Project. The director of the project is Anna Godfroy. Good afternoon, Anna. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming in. Good afternoon. And also is um, uh, here with us is uh, staffer Mike Leland. Hi, Mike. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thank you. And uh, member uh, Charlene Dumont is also with us. Hi, Charlene. Hello. Good of you all three to join us. Michael and Charlene are both all done up in their Binners Project green uniforms and baseball caps. Because you're off, Mike, as soon as we finish here, you're off to the Powell Street Festival to go right to work, aren't you? Absolutely, yep. So, uh, Anna, I want to read something from your website homepage. It's the definition of... Of a binner. It says it's definition number one a person who collects redeemable containers and other things from bins to sustain their livelihood and to divert waste from landfills. A second definition, a dumpster diver. And you, Mike, you've heard all of this stuff. You've been doing this for quite a long time, about 15 years, you were saying. Absolutely, yep. Uh, so when did you cease to be a dumpster diver or binner and become a member of the Binners Project? Well, we started three years ago with FIFA when they uh, when they had the uh, the event for. Um, we started three years ago with FIFA yeah. when they had the event at Larmer Park, and we've gone ever since. So okay, it's been fabulous. Yeah. So Anna, tell us about the Binners Project. It, it's uh, it, it's t- tied into the city of Vancouver. Is it the province of British Columbia? Is it a Canada thing? Is it how local is the Binners Project? Um, it's. It's local mostly because we work f- with people uh, mostly from the downtown east side or inner city Vancouver, uh, but we're also connected with groups across the country, okay. uh, like Les Valoristes in Montreal or Calgary Can in Calgary. And so there's a, a go- like a number of group of waste speakers in Canada, and we work very closely with them. Some of our pilot projects have be- are being implemented right now in Montreal and in Calgary. So... I guess we're kind of na- getting national. But, right, but so there's an association of similar projects going on in many major Canadian cities this summer. Absolutely. How, yeah. how long have you been uh, operating here in Vancouver? We've been around for three years now. Okay. Um, and how did you get started? What, what that's got this whole thing rolling in the first place? Yes. Yeah, so um, uh, Ken Lyotier is a, he's a binner and he's an entrepreneur in the downtown east side. Uh, he created the Bottle Depot United We Can. And he's been an activist, and uh, his idea was to uh, create a platform for binners to connect and uh, be more efficient uh, in terms of recycling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's how I got involved. I helped him setting setting this up. Uh, at first, we were only meeting once a month with the binners. It was very much just a, a way to connect. 
but very quickly the beginners uh, made clear that they needed help uh, in accessing bottles and cans, uh, be being more recognized for what they do. Uh, so we we had kind of a, very quickly we went into like an economic uh, side of of things. So providing more income opportunities for beginners, but oh, okay. also um, the stigma like tackling the stigma around binning and showing a positive side of of uh, of binning right charlene you've been doing this for for a, a number of years as well uh binning uh and uh, and you joined the binners project what a couple of years ago now uh, about three two and a half years okay and how how have your circumstances changed since you were doing it basically on your own out there uh, doing whatever you could, doing the best you could, since you joined this organization that has a bit of structure and has a client list? Well, it's helped me out pretty much um, cash-wise, and um, I don't get bored as often anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a lot to be said for that. Now, Mike, how about you? Now, you're a staff member. You've joined the Binners Project on a more or less permanent basis, and that's only been in the last year. So up until the last year, you were essentially a freelancer, as most Binners are. Well, no, I, I've been a member of the Binners Project right from the start. Okay, so, so that's three yeah, years. three years. Okay, so. and how have your circumstances changed, especially the part before you became a staff member? Because when you become staff, everyone gets that you, you have a regular situation. But when you were essentially freelancing and you joined this organization, how did it change your activities? Well, I think the biggest part is breaking down the stigmatism that people have against Binners, and it's been... A, a complete different story on how people treat you now they're actually beginning to see the value that you're bringing to the community as far as the recycling end of it goes and let's talk about the community and city hall anna because you've had to loop the local regulators into your activities you had to, i'm sure receive some kind of approval from them somewhere along along the line perhaps more than once how has city hall been with this project since its inception yeah so um it's true like it's important for us as a grassroots movement to get the city involved uh, different level of governments involved and um, i'm pleased to say that the city of vancouver has been very supportive of the work we do. Um, they support us uh, with uh, small grants, uh, you know, during the year. Mm -hmm. uh, but also they help us get, like, get the word out. Uh, so, for instance, for some events that we, we've been uh, contracted to, uh, the city um, either, like, um, they kind of helped us shape our programs, actually. Like, okay. it was, it was, it's quite a deep um relationship like a, a great relationship with the city uh like the engineering department right. the waste solid waste department are very interested in what we do because they can see that binners help cleaning up the streets and the back lanes uh, but then also the social planners uh, they're interested in seeing uh, understanding better the informal economy that's happening in the downtown east side right and they they are very curious to see and and keen to see um to see this a, a little bit formalized um yeah and then um just like having city staff and city councillors as well uh the city councillors been very uh keen came to some of our events we're hoping to see some 
in October for our Coffee Cup Revolution um, event as well. And does the city, Mike, set the rules for when you go to work on a project? And, uh, for example, you and Charlene are heading out here uh, on the clock as soon, <laughs> yeah. as, as, soon as we're done. So when, well, you, when you get to, to your work site, obviously you have a routine now yeah. that you, you execute. Yeah. But, but the separation of things into the pr- right receptacles and all the rest of that, it, does the city set those rules, Mike, that you follow? No, um, it, it, what we what we're based on is what the client wants that that hires us. Okay. We go by their kind of their direction, and uh, we work from there. However, the city has been tremendous on kind of helping us form the guidelines that we need to go by, and uh, you know they're they're really keen to get their twenty twenty into effect. You know, for the greenest city, and right. It's it's you know it's going to take a lot of work, but we're certainly eager to help. How many people are involved, and how many from the beginning to now? Because I'll bet you there's a fairly small force. And how has it grown in the past three years? Yeah, <laughs> uh, so I would say in a year, like we reach out about three hundred binners. Um, but uh, weekly on a weekly basis, we have about forty five people coming to the meeting. It's uh, every Tuesday night. And then um, overall, I mean, it's hard to say. I, I'm sure we have the number somewhere, but we started really small. Like we had maybe 10, 12 people coming to the meetings, and now we have 40, 45. And, and so just this weekend, we have 48 income opportunities uh, between today and tomorrow uh, with the Powell Festival uh, event. Okay, so now talk to us about income opportunities, because clearly this has helped Charlene and Mike and all of the others who are involved get their lives a little more structured, a little more, or it, be, it becomes a little more uh, regular in terms of expectations of cash flow. Absolutely. So h- how do you, h- how does one pay, what, sh- what do you charge, yeah. Anna? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Let's cut right down to brass tacks here. How much do you guys cost? Because the service is, I'm sure, worth every penny, and I'll give you an example in a minute, but what do you, uh, how do you go about structuring the rate card? Yeah. So uh, we're a charity, we're, we're part of Tides Canada, so we're a non-profit charity. That means that we can only charge um, what the program truly costs us to run. So we. So there's no building a profit margin into the, your costs. I wish, but no. But you know, for the client, <laughs> for the clients, I'm sure that, that you wish for a profit margin. But for the client, it's kind of reassuring that you're you're only paying for what you get. Exactly. Nobody's lining their pockets here. Exactly. Okay, so talk to us about the rates. Yeah, yeah. So uh, <laughs> you want the... You want <laughs> I want the numbers. <laughs> so um, uh, for, f- to give you an, an example, sure. uh, for an event, for a full day of work, like uh, having uh, eight people on site, we charge about $900. Okay. Uh, and so that in- includes uh, waste like uh, consultation before the event. We can help the organizer to um, sort, like, to know how and how many beans they need and all of that. And I'll bet you most organizers don't have a clue, do they? Oh, yeah. It, the waste is the one thing that people forget about because when sure. you plan an event, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not exciting to, to plan for how many beans do you need and who's going to pick up the waste. And, and yet, you know, we got half a million people going to jam just a few blocks down the street from us tonight for that big fireworks show. <laughs> and, you know, at least the city has a, a waste plan for that one because with half a million people, you'd better have a waste plan. So that sort of mass organization automatically dictates a plan. But many, many smaller events, you're quite right, Anna, people don't even consider it, do mm-hmm. they? Yeah. And so we, uh, the, the, this price uh, includes uh, binners showing up on site uh, with the uniform and uh, helping the public sort their waste. 
so there's it's a big uh, waste education component, mm-hmm. and then we also uh, do back of house sorting. So at the end of the event, we take take an extra hour, sometimes two hours, to go through every bag of waste and make sure that the plastic is being recycled, the aluminum is being taken out, taken out. Uh, make sure food is in the in the compost. Right. So right. we it's it really reduce the amount of waste. And what what do you do with the empty? Con- do, do you get to to cash in the containers? And does that add to the uh, success of the event for you? Then the beginners do. Oh, okay. That we do. Yeah. That that you do. Okay. That's the most important thing. No money, no bottles. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, but is there is there a wage, Mike, on top of whatever you're able to cash well, in at the end of the event? Well, yeah. Like today, today is for an honorarium. Oh, okay. And, uh, and we get paid uh, around twelve fifty an hour. Okay. Yeah, so okay. it's it's well worth it, yeah. All right, we'll tell you lots more about the Binners Project. And by the way, I have a terrific website if you want to take a look at it during the break. It's binnersproject.org. Have a look, and we'll tell you more after the news to the bottom of the hour. Sterling Fox with you on this Saturday afternoon with uh, three guests in studio from the Binners Project. This is something that's been going on in our city very quietly, kind of under the radar for about three years now. And uh, what we figured it's about time we kind of spread the word a little bit. Uh, Anna Godfroy is the uh, director of the project. Michael Leland is one of the staff members. And uh, Charlene Dumont is uh, one of the workers on the project. Dumont. I know Charlene's a BC girl. Uh, Anna Godfroy is not. (laughs) (laughs) Binnersproject.org is the website. It's a great website, and it just talks about a group of waste pickers uh, aided by support staff dedicated to improving their economic opportunities and reducing the stigma they face as informal, informal rather, recyclable container, uh, collectors. Rather. And, Mike, you referred to that earlier, and, Anna, you mentioned it as well. You get a, you've, had, I mean, you've been at this for a while. You now, uh, uh, you're... you're quite a bit further along than you were when you started or were maybe 10 years ago. But you talked about the stigma, and it's been kind of ugly, kind of rude from time to time. Well, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I understand where people are coming from. However, um, all I'm doing is I'm, I'm not hurting anybody or bothering anybody. I'm just out getting the bottles that they've thrown out. Right. So it, it it's made it really difficult when you get people cursing at you as they're driving by and stuff like that. Right. Which I, I've never really understood, you know. Uh, all I've ever wanted was to be left alone. Right. So uh, this has really upped our profile a little bit. And Charlene, have you exp- had similar experiences? You've been at this for quite some time, too. Well, there. Most of the people are really worried about um, people making a mess and um, just leaving the mess there. Right. And but aren't you the people who come in and, and straightens out the mess a lot of times? Most of the time. Right. Right. <laughs> but uh, some of the binners are they actually uh, they're pretty uh, reckless with their uh, taking the bottles out and cans out. Right. And right. They just throw all the garbage all over the place and just make it a bad scene for everybody else. Well, I was just going to say, it doesn't take very many uh, bad apples to spoil it for everybody yeah, else. And, and and I guess some of the problems, Mike, and you pointed this out earlier when mm-hmm. we were off air, especially in high-density population areas like the West End where we are, yeah. uh, uh, people, a lot of this activity takes place in the overnight hours. Yes. And, uh, and that can get noisy and uh, uh, upset people. I get mad at my own apartment when I hear 
<laughs> carts <laughs> rattling up at two in the morning. Sure. So I, I understand where people are coming from. However, I also see it from the binner's point of view. Mm-hmm. That they would like to, to do a job and just kind of be left alone. Mm-hmm. However, the need to come out and talk to people and engage people is really important. Right. Now, that's something that, uh, Anna, you were talking earlier about the PNE, uh, which is one of your clients, and Science World is another one of your clients. And we'll find out how you get clients and how people can become clients. But down at the PNE, you, uh, you have a certain presence down there. You don't have a booth, but you have recycling locations all over the PNE grounds. And you have staff members like Charlene and Mike in their, their green togs with the hats and the shirts. So, Mike, when people come, that's where you interact with the public. And there's that, that's where the public education component to the job comes in. Absolutely. Last year, we broke a lot of barriers down where people were actually able to come up and see that you were a member of a proper organization. And right. that made all the difference from that guy creeping around your alley in of the course. middle of the night. And do people have, I'm sure, tons of questions because, I mean, there, there's nothing but rules when it comes to recycling. And, uh, for example, the rules are different from municipality to municipality. And now you were out in Port Coquitlam doing some work out there a little while ago, and their recycling, recycling rules are slightly different from Vancouver. I live in New West. The rules there are slightly different from everywhere else. So I guess when you go to different areas, you kind of have to fall in behind whatever the local uh, rules and guidelines are. Absolutely, yeah. And, and, and the guidelines from the people that hire us is what we go by. Um, our education is the same right across the board. Mm-hmm. However, what they need done is, is very specific. When you're down at the PNE schmoozing with the folks and helping them sort things properly, and, uh, and you have a chance to, to shoot the breeze with them, uh, they, I'm sure, have lots of questions for you. What do they want to know the most, Mike? How much do you make? <laughs> I'm serious. That's the first question everybody wants to know. Is that right? They figure you're a secret, Absolutely. A, a secret millionaire yeah. or something? Absolutely. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So they, they, they want to know that first? They want to know. That's, Every that's week. the only thing that you really want to know, Matt. Majorly. How much do you make? Isn't that yeah. something? Yeah. Now, has uh, uh, um, as long as we're talking about incomes, uh, has life improved since both of you have joined the Binners Project and uh, things smoothed out a little bit uh, economically? Yeah. yeah, cash has been going pretty uh, steady. Oh, good. And um, there's a lot of people who are actually uh, bringing the empties to my room sometimes in the hotel. Oh, so business is now coming to you, isn't that <laughs> yeah. right? Now, Anna, uh, not all business comes to you. You have to go out and chase some business, Anna, and you have uh, successfully uh, managed some clients to accumulate clients like the PNE. So you're going to be real busy over the last two weeks of this month. How many people you have on site? at the PNE, for example, during the run of the fair? Yes, yeah, so per day, uh, at, during the run of the fair, we will have 15 people on site okay. every day. Um, and so all together, we have about 50 people involved uh, within those two weeks of work. So work for 50 people uh, yep. for the two weeks of the fair. Now, how did you manage to get Science World on board? Uh, so Science World, they, we work with them a little differently. We help them with sorting their waste. It's a new pilot. We're just testing that with them uh, as well as uh, with SFU, the university, Simon Fraser University. Okay. We also do sorting in one of their buildings. So these are kind of test clients exactly. that if a satisfaction level is achieved, you can use as much. Mo- well, this is what we're doing for these people. Can we help you similarly? It's exactly that. And it's uh, we're lucky that they, they're innovative, like they, they really 
to test with us. They want to see an impact in the community. Uh, they're not just interested in sorting their ways. They also want to see that they're helping generating employment, like social hiring in the in the neighborhood. So, so yeah, we're testing that with them, and it's going really well. We uh, we have three winners going once a week at Science World, and uh, uh, I think it's twice a week as, as at SFU as well. So, and so again, that wouldn't be a nine hundred dollars a day for Science no. World to have three people come down and do the an afternoon or a day's worth of sorting. So, what would the tab be for three people for one day? I'm I'm bugging you with the numbers here. No, Anna. no, it's good. But, but the idea is to just demonstrate how cost effective this kind of association can be. Yes. So uh, we charge about $60 uh, for per week. Uh, 60 bucks a week. 60 bucks a week. Wow. A week and you have, uh, you this way you know that your waste area is clean, uh, organized, and you're also going to cut uh, your costs in terms of waste picking up, like the pickup at the end of, uh, at the, end of the day. I don't know, like um, a lot of businesses get fined for uh, not sorting properly. Mm-hmm. Waste is contaminated. Uh, often your blue bin, if someone puts some food in your blue bin, the whole bin can go to the landfill. So um, so there's a lot of uh, motivation behind this service. And the reason we came up with that model was because we heard uh, bu- bu- uh, business owners and bu- uh, building managers uh, and so we decided to test. Well, let me give you another example. My son is a chef in Yaletown. He works at one of the better-known restaurants. There are dozens. And his company got fined 3000 bucks a few weeks ago for improperly separating their recyclable waste. Now, I'm thinking if that happens more, it's just, for them, it's just a cost of doing business. Oh, sure, write them a check, get them out of our lives. But, you know, for a lot less than three grand, a business like that can have everything clean and properly done and uh, put some money back in their pockets, couldn't they, Anna? Yeah, that's the, that's the idea. Uh, you, you, you just achieve so many um, goals, right? At the same time, you're providing an income opportunity for someone in need. You're reducing uh, your costs in terms of picking up the waste, and you're also uh, saving the planet because mm-hmm. <laughs> this waste is going to get recycled as opposed to go to the landfill. Are you finding, Mike, when you do have opportunities and you go out on duty and all dudded up with your green <laughs> gear and all the rest of it, <laughs> do you find, though, that people come over to you and go, hey, good to see you, glad you're here, That uh, a positive now, just because they know uh, that you're there to do the kind of recycling work that they're happy not to? That I, I actually, I get it on the street just walking to go do it. Oh, is that right? Yeah, people notice you. They're, yeah. they're, they become very aware of our, our logo and our T-shirt. They know what it's all about now, and how which does, is fantastic. Well, it is great. Anna, you mentioned this weekly meeting. Uh, I believe it was on Tuesday nights. <laughs> so is that how people who are interested in uh, maybe picking up uh, some work, uh, maybe sort of trying to stabilize their economic situation a little bit, have life become a little bit more predictable? Do they do they attend these meetings, and uh, is that where they get their assignments? Exactly. We uh, we came up with that model again, consulting with binners. We were like binners uh, told us what they needed, and what they need is to be able to show up at that meeting. It's very low barrier. Same place, same time every week. Mm-hmm. And um, if they show up, then they can be on the list of um, income opportunities and, um, and get that, that job going. 
Right. And now on the website, there's there's a little button you can click to uh, uh, become a binner and that kind of stuff. But not every binner has access to the Internet. So thus the meeting and another opportunity to to intersect with the project that maybe isn't online that some of them can't afford. Exactly. So where do they go for these meetings? So right now we're based at the Salvation Army. We we are lucky that the Salvation Army is uh, letting us use their space uh, in kind. Uh, we'll be there for another two, three months, and then we'll be moving to our new office uh, on 312 Main Main Street. Oh, you should see the smiles. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, it's great. It's lovely. I mean, this is something that's been coming for three years. It has. And finally, you, you've cracked. You, you're at the point where you can, you'll have your own space. We will. We it, will. It's still a shared. It's, it's still going to be a shared office. But it's going to be like a new center for social innovation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Van City is putting this together and uh, a lot of groups like Megaphone Magazine mm-hmm. or um, a, b- a bunch of other uh, social enterprise or non-profit in the neighborhood will, will be located there. And so I think it's going to be really good for all of us to be amongst uh, people that do uh, similar jobs. Right. Now, Mike, you're a staff person, so you are like a Monday to Friday, nine to five person who does extra on the weekends. How does your schedule work? You, you well, no, no. I, I put in a certain amount of hours during the course of the week because I'm, I'm still I'm still a full-time binner. Okay. Yeah. All I right. I still do, um, I do most of the pickups in East Van now and uh, the offices, and I do the Royal Vancouver Yacht Club twice a week. Okay. I'll, I'll show you the pictures after. Over there in, in Kits, then, huh? No, in Stanley Park. Oh, the Stanley Park operation. Yes, Royal okay. Vancouver Yacht Club. Right, yeah. okay. Because they have, uh, over at Jericho, they have uh, the, 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 the big clubhouse and the big uh, uh, boat docks and all of that. So if you're mm-hmm. doing Stanley Park, you should ask them about maybe going yeah. over to Jericho. <laughs> yeah. Because they, well, they, no, they have a gorgeous they, facility. The Royal Vancouver there. also owns Jericho. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah it. Uh, it's a matter of spreading out. However, um, my time just with the Royal Vancouver Yacht Club doesn't allow me to do much else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. And Charlene, uh, how many days a week do you work? Um, it's actually just um, casual. Okay, so when when you uh, when you get the inspiration, off you go. Yeah. Did you uh, be, before you joined up as a member of this uh, the Binners Project? You were you were doing it anyway. Yeah. So what what has changed by becoming affiliated with this organization? It's more fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with that part. If, if you can if you can have a little fun at work, it certainly makes the time go by faster, yeah. doesn't it? Now it does. So, Anna, how is this? Is the word getting out? Uh, I mean, there are still, as Mike says, you know, there are still people who do this all the time. It's how they mm-hmm. the, they provide for themselves. Are more and more people learning and deciding? Well, you know, I can still freelance as Charlene does, but I can also link up with the Binners Project for other assignments, and if anything, improve the cash flow. Yeah, and so that, that's exactly the idea: is that people can still be on their own. Uh, they still have the. They still they can do the way they want. Really, it's very flexible. Our goal is not to provide nine to five jobs for binners. Right, uh, right. People have buyers. They have uh, mental health issues, addiction issues. There's a lot of reason why they can't just take a nine to five job. Right. So our goal is not really to do that. Our goal is to help them uh, and meet them wherever they are. So if they want, you know, one afternoon a week, and we have that opportunity. If we have a contract, like a new contract with the yacht club maybe or like you know new location mm-hmm. then we can we can provide those opportunities for people like Charlene who who wants to keep things flexible right. and uh, 
and just day to day, you know. Okay. So now you're, uh, as the director of this project, are you also the sales manager? Are you the person upon whom everyone is relying to, <laughs> yeah. to drum up new business? Do you spend a fair amount of time uh, knocking on doors? Yes. Uh, I'm not alone. Um, Gabby Korsheva, she's, uh, she works with me as well. She's the programs manager. Her okay. and I drive the, the sales. Uh, we're definitely sales-orientated, fundraising, uh, we always seek for new uh, partners and sponsors and all of that. Uh, but yeah, we, we look for a contract constantly. Like that's, that's my job. Okay. And how's it going? Uh, you've got a growing client list with some good names. Science World is, is, is Simon Fraser University, Royal Vancouver Yacht Club. I mean, this is, this is good stuff. This is, you know, blue chip stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and, and so is that the sort of clientele you're looking uh, to pursue? Yes, exactly. We, you know, we, our program are very innovative. Nobody else does what we do. I believe that. So we want to work with organizations and businesses that are open-minded, that have the same motivations than we have. So, uh, like I said, social hiring, um, uh, you know, s s just helping beginners and helping us improve and, and grow our programs. We don't, I say I'm the salesperson, but honestly, I don't really go out and look for business. Right. I'm very pleased to say that usually businesses come to us so people are so the word is starting to get out and so you don't have to to cold call and knock on doors people are calling you going so uh how can you fit in and help our organization well that's a nice change of of pace isn't it <laughs> it, be, it beats running around having doors slammed in your face doesn't yeah. it and the truth is even if i wanted to look for businesses we just don't have time we, we are a small <laughs> non-profit so we're very tight we're very busy so, uh, you know, they come to us and uh, it's all word of mouth. So, you know, last year at the PNE, we did the Catalano, the block party. Oh, right, sure. Yeah. So, and uh, the Drum is Calling Festival a couple of weeks ago, you did that as yeah. well. Drum okay. is Calling Festival sure, okay. with Brand Life and the City of Vancouver. And so uh, they see that we're very uh, good at what we do. They see that beginners are motivated and uh, we're organized and we're, we're professional. So I think they spread the word for us. Good for you. Well, uh, thebinnersproject.org is the website, friends. If you or your business or people you know in business uh, like that restaurant in, 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 in uh, Yale Town, they get fi <laughs> fined 3000 bucks for being sloppy. That's we'll all help it was. Them. It was just sloppy. <laughs> we'll and and because they're busy. You know, yeah. they got clients to feed, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, the heck with the recycling. And so and as I say, that's they just write that stuff off. That's just a that's just a, a little business cost, mm -hmm. no big deal. Well, you know, the money could be much better spent helping uh, people in the Binners Project and uh, still keep the premises uh, fine free. So binnersproject.org, all of the contact information Anna Godfroy is on the website, phone numbers, emails, all that stuff, right? Yes, exactly. We are we're very active online and on social media as well. Okay, so uh, Facebook page, the whole bit. Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we even st started an Instagram account, uh, and we put the beginners uh, at the front. We want to tell stories of people and how we improve people's life. Well, thank you all three for coming in and sharing your stories with us. I think it's a wonderful story. I'm pleased to see the movement gathering momentum. Always love to talk about successful local entrepreneurs on Vancouver Consumer. So Charlene and Mike, off to work with the both of you. Yes, sir. And, and Anna, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you for having we'll us. We'll take a quick break here, and we've got more, including a steel report, after this. 
Sterling Fox with you. Our thanks again to director Anna Godfroy, staffer Mike Leland, and member Charlene Dumont from the Binners Project for sharing their very interesting, very local success story with us this afternoon. Uh, if you or your business would like to tap into this service, go to binnersproject.org. Time now for the Steel Report. Today, Linda asks, what would you do if you received a ransom note? I'm Linda Steele, and this is your Steele Report. We've all heard about the typical scams to look out for, from fake bills to menacing telephone calls. But what if you got a message that a loved one was kidnapped? That's the idea behind a new scam hitting the Lower Mainland. Police say the scam is targeting Chinese national students. The students get a phone message or a call from someone claiming to be an officer from China. Sergeant Annie Linto from the RCMP says the students are told their personal information has been compromised and that they're under investigation. A number of demands are, are placed on them, and they are told that uh, should they not comply, that their family members in China will be harmed. Simultaneously, their family members uh, in China are also contacted and told that their daughters or loved ones here in the Lower Mainland uh, are being uh, held against their will or are in trouble and that a sum of money has to be paid in exchange for them to be freed. The RCMP say they're now working with other police agencies and the Consulate General of the People's Republic of China in Vancouver. They're urging anyone who may have been contacted by the scammers to let the police know. I'm Linda Steele, and that's your Steele Report. The Steele Report for Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Visit alpinecredits.ca. Thank you, Linda. Steele and Drex, weekday afternoons 2 to 6 on News Talk 980 CKNW. A couple of more consumer quickies before we have to go. General Motors is recalling nearly 800,000 Chevrolet Silverado 1500 and GMC Sierra 1500 pickup trucks worldwide that could lose power steering, according to a release from yesterday. Yesterday, uh, Global News reporting GM said the 2014 model year trucks could suffer a temporary loss of electric power steering, especially during low-speed turning maneuvers. And this uh, from uh, information provided by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration south of the border. This recall includes about 690,000 vehicles in the States. 80,000 here in Canada and 25,000 from around the world. GM dealers will reflash the vehicle's software to address the defect. GM didn't have any details on whether crashes or injuries are connected to the recall. The company told regulators that before the 2015 model year, it made a series of changes to address potential sources of temporary low voltage conditions that disable that power steering. GM has not yet said when dealers will begin repairing vehicles. This just came down yesterday, so check with your dealer if this affects you. And the Wall Street Journal this week reporting on a new movement from across the pond. The UK is apparently attempting to impose new no-swearing policies in bars, some of whom have adopted it recently, and the goal is to attract a more wholesome audience uh, interested in the high-end dining atmosphere of newly popular gastro pubs and bistros. Needless to say, not all are pleased. For example, Sam Samuel Smith Old Brewery, which owns more than 200 pubs across England, has ushered in a new zero-tolerance policy on swearing in which potty-mouthed patrons aren't served drinks and can even be kicked out. Well, 
You can't just ban swearing in a place where they serve alcohol, says a guy in a tavern owned by the Samuel Smith Group. That's BS, or something close to that. Some pub operators, known as landlords, note there are no clear rules about what constitutes swearing, so the whole thing's a bit confusing. Others feel that profanity and the pub experience should not be divorced from each other. The campaign for real ale drinkers uh, saying the British pub is an institution where people go to enjoy enjoy themselves, an informal place where class and salary are forgotten. We don't need rules to restrict that. Pub goers apparently prepared to fight back, including several longtime Samuel Smith patrons who have vowed to swear up a storm at the bars to protest, let's just say, a really stupid decision. That's not exactly how they put it, but you get the idea. How well do you think those rules would work here? And that's our show for today, this BC Day weekend. Our producer is Ben Dooley. Matt Hyland is at the controls. I'm Sterling Fox. Thank you for joining us today. We're back next Saturday at 2 with another edition of Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.